Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Jazz Talk Northwest. This is Max. And my name is Josh. And today we have got a very special guest with us here in our recording studio. His name is Birch Pereira. Hello. Hey, Birch. So Birch plays bass uh, in a band called Birch Pereira and the Gin Joints. And he's got a new record coming out very, very soon. And when was that? Well, the album is going to come out on Friday, March 9th. Okay. And then the CD release party in Seattle is at the Triple Door on the 11th. That's awesome. And you're yeah. playing the main stage there, main right? Main stage. Yes. Oh, nice. That's, that's yeah. very, very exciting. Yeah. And I seem to remember you're sharing the billing with somebody else. Yes. Uh, so um, we've been, we share a guitarist with a band called Sunday and Mr. Gessel, mm-hmm. which Jason Gessel is this great guitarist that's in the gin joints. And he um, and his wife have a band. And we both realized we were putting out our album around the same time. So we decided, why don't we just combine forces and have one big gig? Yeah, I heard them that's... talk about this on the radio, actually. Yeah. Oh, was that on KNKX? Or... Yeah, 88.5. Yes, on Tuesday. That's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. So, Birch, you released your first album for this band in like 2016, right? Is that's that right? correct, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you've waited for about two years right yeah. to come out with a yeah. second one that's pretty exciting and what's the name of this album this album's called western soul okay that's great uh so birch uh gave me and max a chance to listen to uh this record beforehand and it sounds really awesome it's amazing and he's also been kind enough to give us permission to share it with all of you listeners so here we go we're going to play the first track uh i believe it's called how long that's right and there's a full name for that is it's that called right how long parentheses until i see the sun again question mark nice close parentheses <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go Yeah. 
track i really enjoyed that um i think that the name of the album is so appropriate western soul i feel like it just represents to me so much um or this song sounds like yes. western soul as yeah, a genre this song gave that title that's where it came from is this song basically how did you come up with the title is like or did you have to think about it for a long time no i just um well you know western swing is like a genre yeah. mm-hmm. right and so i sort of was just thinking about that like, well, you know, there's like this westernized, well, sort of, you know, Texas, Southwest, Northwest, like there's this sound that, you know, changed how swing was played and the instrumentation. And so I thought, you know what, you could do that to other styles of music. And so I cool. thought about soul and I was like just combining some of those Western elements. With... Is that something you were thinking about as you were writing the song or arranging it? Um, I don't know if I was actively thinking about it, but... um when I play with like guys like Jason Gessel on guitar, he does those kind of parts. And I, when he would do it, I just realized I really wanted to feature that. I originally was thinking I would have more horns on the song. Mm. Like I would have more horn parts, but then I ended up giving it more guitar parts, cool. which have the Western sound. Did you write yeah. the arrangement slash song around those that around Jason Gessel's sound? Um, I wrote the, just the song with the, progression by myself but then when i started playing well often we do a trio mm-hmm. and with just guitar and drums and me playing bass and singing so i thought about it and i said you know i just like everything he's doing on this song and then we also my friend dan renard was playing guitar and he takes a solo that's different from jason so they're both playing at the same time cool and so there's this this extra like double guitar i was going to ask who was actually on this record yeah. like yeah. on the whole thing I mean, this is a lot of people. Well, I was like, going to, yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, this track alone, this track I think has almost everyone, uh, but it has uh, Jason Gessel and Dan Renard both playing guitar. Interesting. Dave Bush is playing drums on this one. Cool. And then um, I've got uh, Kate Olson's playing like tenor, saxophone, and baritone. At the same time? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ray Larson's playing trumpet. And then a big part of the sound on this track is Joe Doria. I got him yeah. in Oregon. And I was going to uh, ask who was doing that, too. Yeah, that's, that was fun. We uh, went over to his house and just tracked a bunch of tunes. You should know that this song has been stuck in my head, like, <laughs> nonstop. <by the> way. <laughs> and good. it's interesting to me that you mentioned that uh, you went over to his house to track the Oregon part. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, 
you I think we, we were talking about uh, before or a couple of weeks ago about how you were producing this record or putting it together. It sounds like you like did it in layers, maybe yeah, like yeah. even at different spots. How, how was the process for recording this like? It was. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm a big fan of um, layering parts in so that you don't have to try to coordinate everybody at the same time. Mm-hmm. And also you can focus on recording a few instruments really well. Like if you have too many parts and too, you don't have enough room for everybody. So here uh, we went over to Avast and uh, my guy Rob Davidson is the mm-hmm, engineer mm-hmm. and uh, producer. And he, we went in there and we just played as a trio. It was just um, Dan playing guitar. I was playing bass. I was barely singing too. I was just singing like mm. scratch vocals as they say. Uh, and then we really focused on drums. We just wanted to get a really grooving drum part. Yeah. And so... You know, at later we ended up discarding the guitar part. Dan was sick that day, and mm. <laughs> it was like he had literally been throwing up that morning. Oh and no! It was like We're, we'll 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 do this again. Yeah. You know, and um, and I redid my bass parts because I just wanted a different sound, and and um, you know, and then we got organ on it and just started one by one adding these layers cool. and did the engineer at avast you said um follow you around to all these different sessions uh, or were you tracking some of those it things wasn't yourself? necessary to do that because i could just do it myself with um depending on the the person like we did uh sometimes like we might be doing a horn where i was like i don't have a good mic for uh the clarinet or something and but oftentimes he would just lend me a mic hmm, he said cool. oh i got a good nice. mic for this and then he would uh send it to me i borrow it for a couple days give it back to him and then he would mix everything. But yeah, it just it kind of made more sense. Just certain, you know, in today's age, like more yeah. and more people can record at home. So like Joe Doria has his amazing organ set up at home. Hmm. So instead of having to bring his organ to the studio, set it up, bring out all the mics. Right. So you use his recording setup too. Oh, right? yeah. Decentralized recording. Yeah. It's like nice. you just can, you know, send it out. And there's people that can send you tracks that don't even have to go into their house at all too, you know, remotely. That's really, really That's cool. awesome. Yeah. yeah, that reminds me of the whole like recording thing where people have been kind of Skyping each other. Not Skyping, but setting up a, a video feed and then miking each other accurately and kind of recording that way too. Wow. We've heard about that happening. Yeah. That's really cool. Cool. Uh, so let's uh, take a listen to uh, another track. Sure. Right? So let's do it. I forget uh, which number track this is on the record, but it's uh, your version slash arrangement of St. James Infirmary. I went down to St. James Infirmary I saw my baby there she was stretched out on a long white table So sweet, so cold, so fair Let her go and let her go God bless you Wherever she may be I could search this whole world Wide over Never find someone sweet as she is to me 
So, St. James Infirmary. Most people know this as a jazz kind of tune. Um, I love this take on it. It's absolutely haunting. And um, I had a, a few questions, but I guess I'll start with this one. How exactly did you do the bass on this track? Um, that really stuck out to me. It was interesting. Yeah? Like mm-hmm. how I recorded it? Yeah, it just sounds... I don't know. There's something about how it sounds that just kind of stuck out in, nice. in a good yeah. way. I mean... um, this is one we recorded um, again at Avast, and this one I did. You know, that was the, we did a session with just Jason Gessel on guitar, Adrian mm-hmm. Van Battenberg on drums, mm. and myself on upright bass. And um, yeah, we just I was in the little booth next to the, in the big room next to the drums, and you know we def, we definitely mix the uh, DI mm-hmm. sound. Like um, I always take that, yeah, and throw that a little bit into the acoustic sound because it, it tends to make it a project better in a yeah. mix because you have just different frequencies to work with and microphones mm-hmm. uh even like when the doors closed you know and next to the drums you'll just hear drums in there and stuff and so yeah. Yeah. you have a signal that's like pure that doesn't have any other any bleed so it's kind of nice to throw that in there yeah i know you have a uke bass yes Does that show up on this album at all you know it doesn't actually show up on, okay. the, on the album i played electric bass like <clears throat> on the last song on how long yeah i played i just had my like five string electric bass with mm-hmm. flat wounds that i always play my lakeland um but i play it live a lot i think it's uh i, I would need to buy i think a better one to be recording with it i think it's, gotcha. so far it's been really nice live but i haven't been as happy with it when i record but mm-hmm. there's like really nice ones that are like just the next level. You know, I'm like buying mm-hmm. the, the bottom tier one. And so if I got like a, a better one, I think then I would be like doing more recording with it. Yeah. Also, I really, really like the reverb on this. Yes. It's, it's enough to notice, but not too much. Yeah. And it's, uh, was that, how, how did you guys do that? Was there an actual reverb tank or was there, it like There a, is, um, not a tank, but, um, we have these friends who there, there are new companies called Quimper electronics and um jason all his amps are made by them they're out in port townsend cool interesting um, they make also reverb units so you could bring it to your gig and plug your pa into it and it would just have this really beautiful reverb or a studio is this like a pedal or it's a box with an in and out i see that you just can send your mix to and then come out and it just has really good reverb that's really interesting cool so and did you sound did you use this a lot yeah. on this record then yeah we use that a lot that's really cool quite a bit nice. yeah it's a really nice vocal sound we'd run the guitar through it um yeah. horns sometimes like you know hmm. yeah it's very cool nice cool so you brought up uh max you brought up mm-hmm. earlier asking uh whether uh birch is playing the uke bass um 
And I was really curious to hear you talk a little bit. How did you get started playing bass? You sound really good playing that Arco solo on this one. Oh, and thanks, yeah. uh, the electric sounded really great on, on how long and uh, yeah. How did, how did you get started playing electric or did, did you start with electric or do you start with upright? Well, I actually started as a kid. I was put, my parents put me in a strings program mm. in the elementary school. We had a really good like public school strings program. So I played cello. Cool. Um, and then my dad played acoustic guitar, steel string, kind of like folky country blues stuff. And he showed me how to play guitar. And then at some point I just picked up electric bass. Cool. Like, I think there was some people that wanted me to join their like cover band, uh-huh. you know, in eighth grade. And so I like <laughs> got an electric bass. I got this like P bass and um, <clears throat> just started taking lessons. And then I didn't actually play the upright bass until I got to college. Whoa. Because, um. Hmm. What happened was I was still playing a little bit of cello. I auditioned for the program at UW. I got into the classical program. I was in orchestra, but I just was really not into classical music anymore. And I wasn't practicing. And my cello teacher was like, you, no, you can't. You can't keep going. You got to <laughs> <out> stop. <here. laughs> and I auditioned for the jazz program on electric bass, but I didn't get in because I hadn't been really studying jazz. Mm-hmm. I like only, all I ever played was like, chameleon and stuff like, like i wasn't really i never studied changes really i just played funk basically mm-hmm. uh-huh. on electric bass so i was trying to like walk like how high the moon or something and i was just like oh yeah you know? and they were like we don't need a bass player right now and so then i came back the next year and i had been playing way more jazz mm-hmm. and i've been practicing on my own and had you got gotten it. into upright at that point already? no i hadn't huh but they said okay well if you want to you have to study upright if right. you want to get in the program and i was like totally on board with that and so now all of a sudden i had access to an upright you know yeah you could just go into the, the school and go upstairs and they had like 10 of them up in this room huh. and you could just so grab one. a school upright was your first yeah. upright that yeah, you were playing exactly on. that's cool oftentimes schools have pretty good upright bases depending on how old the school is i've heard they uh have some leftover bases from a really long time ago that have been sitting in storage rooms and yeah sometimes they'll get pulled out and uh people discover they're actually really nice instruments yeah yeah totally yeah cool okay so let's take a listen to track four on this record love i can't explain i can't explain this feeling in my heart I can't contain the loneliness that spreads in weapons. I can't refrain from mentioning her name. Every time they speak of love, I hope you do the same. I can't detain this independent hurt. It'd be a shame to never ever get the chance to start. Would you see it through if I gave myself to you? What changed that day? I just can't say the love I can't explain. I 
I can't explain this feeling in my heart. I can't contain the loneliness that spreads from word. I can't refrain from mentioning your name. Every time they speak of love, I hope you do the same. I can't detain this independent heart. It'd be a shame to never ever get the chance to start. Would you see it through if I gave myself to you? What changed that day? I just can't say love. I can't explain. What changed that day? I just can't say love. I can't explain. All right, that sounds amazing, and that is actually not the track that I listened to before. <laughs> But it sounds really good. I love the, the swinging vibe it has. Um, I actually, I don't remember which one I did listen to, but I listened to a totally different track before this when I was studying for this session. That might um, be my fault. I might have told you the wrong <laughs> title. Well, in any case, it sounds awesome. And I, I'll still bring up one of the points I was going to bring up. Uh-huh. Um, the track that I did listen to really uh, put me into the mindset of someone kind of watching a movie. And... Uh, I was just curious both what your overall goal with this album was, but also I wanted to let you know that it it it, uh, it felt very cinematic overall as a listening experience in, in a really good way. Cool. I was wondering if you had any ambition to, you know, place this in any kind of film or anything. Well, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, it is one of my goals to um, do more placement stuff and um, find, you know, like an agency that would be into this style of music yeah and place in film and you know occasionally shows show up right like mm-hmm. where they it just like would be perfect and you know what, what was the prohibition show uh boardwalk empire like it's too bad that's not on the air anymore those would be <laughs> i was thinking about that the other day i was like dang it what else is out there you well know, it's, re- like, it's recorded so well that like i can it really made me think of just like watching a, a beautifully done movie with an amazing soundtrack. And I've cool. heard, you know, I've heard about some films having like one band do the entire score for a yeah. movie. And I could totally see this album kind of even being that almost if, if that ever yeah. came up. Now I'd love to um, do some more scoring. I've done a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> when I was younger, I had a few friends who were filmmakers Nice, and I actually scored an entire, like it was like a 50 minute film uh, oh. just with a jazz trio. It was, um, wow. Tim Kennedy was playing piano. Mm-hmm. I was playing upright bass and Ben Morrow was playing drums. Oh, cool. We just like wrote a bunch of music and improvised. And then I just chopped it up and sort of placed it in the right where I thought it would work and just faded things in and out. And it was nice. just a really fun experience. So I'd love to do that again. That sounds like a fun experience. Yeah. I've always thought it would be really fun to work in. Yeah work with a filmmaker of some sort, but never gotten the chance. Have you Max at all? Uh, very, very limited things here Mm -hmm. and there. Nothing that I've actually like artistically come up with. The placement thing's the easy part because you just make the music and somebody else puts it in the movie and you have nothing mm-hmm. to do with it, right? Yeah. You're just like, yeah. cool, all right. <laughs> That's the easy part. But then like writing the soundtrack or being right. the, like a uh, person in charge of placement and stuff, like totally. that's a whole other thing. And um, I've, it's definitely difficult. You have to – the people who are really good at it, they, they use a computer program and they'll use these cues hmm. and you really have to time things in a way like – that's one of the most challenging things you know we just write something and it's as long as we feel like it should be right mm-hmm. right but then someone says oh i need you to shave 20 seconds off this and you're like well <laughs> what do i do you know and you're yeah. like, okay should i just start over and make the song like 
you know one click faster or so you're talking you know, about like lining up like visual cues in yeah, the film with like that's really hard things yeah it's a whole nother ball game and um, mm-hmm. you know dark side of the rainbow yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. cool i also pretty floored at what a wide genre spectrum you're able to attack in a single album and yet make the whole thing still sound really cohesive you've got a a sound a thread that flows throughout every single one of the tracks yet you've got like the western soul in the first track that we were listening to and then that haunting uh slow down ballad thing Mm -hmm. from saint james and now this like fast swing number it's really cool to, to, to see that yeah yeah i mean personally i know you as as a jazz player primarily but yeah. this is like i mean i love this music and I, I would i don't think i would maybe call it jazz as my first uh descriptive word but it's definitely obviously influ- influenced by it but yeah. yeah beautiful music yeah yeah this this song is more the like trad jazz you know mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the quick solos <clears throat> yep. two and a half minute yeah. song like yeah. in and out kind of thing you know which that's just almost a different genre now. It jazz, is. It you is. Because like, that's not what people think of when you say jazz now. And of course, like, that can open up a humongous Pandora's yeah. box. Yeah. Well, yeah. But... yeah. Jazz. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. I think we should uh, bail <laughs> yeah, on that question while we're That's, for, that's yeah. for a future episode. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Birch, yeah. for hanging cool. out with us. We yeah. really appreciate uh, you coming out and just... Um, Definitely. being grilled slash interviewed yeah. by us for this podcast uh once again everybody birch Pereira is playing his yeah, CD birch. release show uh coming up on march uh, march 11th that's a uh, sunday right sunday night at the triple door sunday night at the triple door main stage yeah and if you have any oregon listeners we're heading down to oregon that weekend and so on october the, on the 9th of march we'll be playing at the axe and phil in cottage grove oregon and then this 10th, we'll be playing at the Secret Society in Portland. Oh, I've played there. That place yeah, is really cool. Cool spot. It's yeah. Cool. Like, it's perfect for gin joints. You know? Yeah. And where, uh, where on the internet can somebody find you if they want to listen to this music? Uh, you go to www.theginjointsband.com. Cool. And yeah. all the information is there? Like, I have everything there. Yeah. You can pre-order awesome. the album. You can, um, you know, find all the YouTube links, uh, the bio, pictures, everything. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, awesome. Looking forward to hearing the record, the rest yeah. of the record, and yeah. showing it off when it comes out. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks. All right. So Birch had to head out, um, but Josh and I have been up to some cool things musically as well, and we're going to spend a few minutes talking about those at this time. Yeah. So Max, you've been telling me that you went halfway around the world to play music. What's, um, yeah. What's up with that? Well, yeah, it is about halfway around the world. I think it was like a 13 and a half hour difference. I was in India uh, playing music in a city called Bangalore, or if you're just from India, it's called Bangalore. It's kind of a British thing or a not British thing. It's actually kind of an interesting uh, dynamic there with that, as it used to be a British colony, and there are remnants of that left. Um, And yeah, so... I'll keep this uh, relatively musically connected, but it was a really cool trip. And um, so we were playing jazz for people. A lot of people had no idea how to uh, listen to jazz. And so we had to, we had to kind of tell people that you can clap if you're enjoying stuff. And hmm. so you kind of had to teach people a little bit about what was going on, but well, they, they liked it. What was the event that you were at that you were playing at that 
<clears throat> yeah, what was the event? So they actually have a jazz club. Um, oh. Yeah, so it's a there's some it's some company that does housing or something that also has a jazz club. Cool. And they just bring bring people in from all over the world. Like I know Anat Cohen has been there a few times, wow. and like yeah, people like that go there and play. And um, yeah, it's just like a jazz club. And uh, I guess you went with a couple of people from Seattle, right? Yeah, so I went with the 200 Trio, as well as a pianist who actually was the leader of this quartet named Danae Greenfield. Cool. And she's a friend of ours from from Berkeley. We all went to college together. Awesome. Yeah. And um, so while we were there, I I tried to learn some music uh, from India. And I've studied a little bit, but, you know, prior to my trip, I had studied studied a little bit of Indian classical stuff on the tabla. Um, But... I quickly realized that I knew nothing upon getting there. Uh, for those of you who have never heard of Zakir Hussain, he is one of the most legendary um, Indian musicians of all time. He is a percussionist, primarily. And um, kind of like the Miles Davis of, of Indian classical music or something like that, only he's living right now. And uh, so we went and spent one day with some musicians there. I asked our our kind of lady who was in charge of what we were doing um, if she knew any musicians. And she's like, yeah, let me. I think I, I met this one girl one time. Let me see if we can uh, get you guys connected. And so um, we were thinking like, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll meet some random musicians, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she failed to tell us that these are like Zakir Hussein's best friends and they all like play together and these are like grandmaster musicians from India. Whoa. And so we get there and, and, uh, it was really interesting cause, uh, like one of them had changed their flight to be there for this. Like they had really gone out of their way to make this happen. Wow. And, um, so suddenly we were thrown into a, a very intense, like seminar on sharing jazz and Indian classical music. And, uh, so I, yeah, I learned a lot about the difference between North Indian and South Indian music and, um, vocal um, chromatic syllables, cool. which can change <clears throat> in, in terms of their placement and stuff. And rhythmic syllables and how rhythmic structures work, and it was it was very 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 cool. cool. We learned a lot, and made some good friends. Tell tell us a little bit, a couple tidbits about the difference between northern and Indian classical music, another and southern Indian classical music. Sure, and I mean it's not like I'm an expert, but one of the one of the things I took away being a drummer primarily myself is um, in North Indian music. Well, first of all, they described North Indian as being uh, more poetic. Okay. And I think South Indian is more um, strict in terms of its its rules of how it's played and stuff. So there's more kind of freedom to improvise and stuff, I think, in, in North Indian playing. The other interesting thing I took away was there are these things called tea highs um, in Indian classical music. And it's kind of a, a complicated thing to explain, but... It's a a phrase that happens three times, basically in in a more complicated pattern that I would have a horrible time explaining on the air right now. But basically, in North Indian music, uh, the T high ends um, on one, so like it comes around and then 
ends on the downbeat of the next mm-hmm. part or the, or the end of the song mm-hmm. or whatever. And then in South Indian music, it ends just before one. Interesting. And so you have to time this whole thing to line up uh, at like the subdivision before one, mm-hmm. which is very... I think it's pretty hard to do, but yeah. it's really cool. It doesn't about. show up a lot in Western music. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it, surprisingly, it kind of does like huh. in, in some, some jazz musicians playing. Right. I've, I've actually noticed myself kind of accidentally playing things like this in solos. Hmm. Um, it's kind of interesting, but anyway, enough about me. I heard that you went on a pretty cool trip to the South, <laughs> uh, a couple different places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I went to New Orleans for a little less than a week right before Mardi Gras. Lucky. Yeah. It was a really good time. We saw, we ate a lot of really good food. Saw Ooh, a bunch of food. Mardi Gras to talk about food. <laughs> this is a music podcast. Yeah. So we music, can talk music, about that music, later. Music it is. All right. <laughs> but yeah, so I saw a bunch of really good music. I got to see uh, the Preservation Hall Jazz Band in nice. the French Quarter, which nice. was really fun. <clears throat> but I actually had more fun on Frenchman Street. So hmm. I don't know, Max, if you've been to New Orleans before. I have not. It's on my list of things to do. Cool. But... So there is this street called Frenchman Street that runs north-south, and it's just a tiny bit east of the French Quarter by a couple blocks is walking distance away. Okay. There <clears throat> is a uh, just a road lined on both sides with music venues and jazz clubs. And about a two and a half, Whoa. three block length, there's something like 10 to 15 clubs. Holy cow. Every single one of them has live music going on every night. It's crazy. And not only that, most of them have their stages near a window facing the street. So as tourists and or people that live there too, I assume, are walking by, they can hear some of the band and think, that's oh, wow, awesome. that's cool. I should check it out and head on in. Well, what are some of the kinds of music that they have? There was a lot of trad jazz, as one could expect, especially right, right. being in New Orleans. <clears throat> so a lot of bands with uh, yeah, the... the the tread setup with a sousaphone yeah. playing yeah. bass, a banjo, oh, um, okay. and uh, trumpet, clarinet, and trombone, maybe a singer, and sometimes a drummer, sometimes not. If there's a banjo, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. don't always have to have a drummer. Right. And there are a bunch of busking bands, too, which is really cool. Oh, so, cool. Uh, one of the nights we just uh, left, I don't remember the name of the venue at, right now, uh, but we just left one of the venues after listening to a, a trad band play a set. Mm-hmm. And we walked up the street and we heard some really loud music going on. And we're like, whoa, whoa what's going on? We got to go check this out, right? So we walked up to the street corner and there was a big busking brass band. We're talking four trumpets, uh, two trombones, two snares, two bass drum cymbal thingies. Did you send me a snapshot of this? No, but I need to send you a video. And I feel like I've, two okay. sousaphones. There were two sousaphones playing in this band. They were crazy loud, and they were playing. This was at like 9:30, 10 p.m. at night. Nice uh, on a week night, <laughs> and they were just blasting and blaring. And the My kind crowd of was really into it. They collected this giant crowd surrounding them on the street corner that spilled out halfway into the street, blocking traffic. Yes, I'm sure it was driving the cars nuts, but it sounded really good. And all these, uh, the players all looked really young too. They looked about high school, college age. Good. I'm sure a couple were a little older, but it was really cool and encouraging to it's see cool that to see, yeah. the New Orleans street music tradition definitely lives on really strong. Nice. Good. So yeah, that was That's one awesome. of the big highlights. Uh, there was also another club called uh, Snug Harbor, 
which mm. their stage wasn't uh, near the street. It was tucked okay. into um, a back room. And that one felt kind of like the, for Seattle listeners, it kind of felt like the Jazz Alley of New Orleans, I guess. Gotcha. I don't actually know if that's accurate, but that's what it felt like to me. And so I went there twice and I got to see um, Stanton Moore trio play, which was Ooh, really nice. fun. And also Delfio Marcellus and his uh, big band, which was really, really cool to see. Nice, too. nice. What was uh, Stanton Moore playing? Was it his like New Orleans band or was it other stuff? It was... Uh, a, uh, no, it no? was a, a, a New Orleans uh, jazz trio. They played oh, a cool. lot of straight ahead stuff. He nice. kind of flirted with New Orleans trad jazz stuff for a little bit. And of course, he can't like the during his solos especially like funk would come out right, right. little yeah, bits yeah. and pieces because that's <laughs> that's so much of who he is right yep. yeah and that's cool um, it was a really really great set i don't remember nice. the name of the pianist but he was really fun to listen to as well. that's so cool yeah i've always wanted to go there someday mm-hmm. so you also went somewhere else though didn't you yes uh directly after new orleans uh we went to miami for the ground up music festival so for people that don't know ground up music is the music label that snarky puppy my favorite band right now and probably will be for a long time it's the <laughs> label that snarky puppy is on and so uh they snarky, have a lot of cool artists on their label they by the way really do yeah. and snarky puppy <clears throat> essentially hosts this festival brings a bunch of ground up artists to come play there and also invites a bunch of non-ground up artists to play as well so snarky puppy played all three nights and eliades ochoa from uh one of the social club was playing there uh, hmm. let's see bela fleck Mm. and his trio so future man and victor wooden were both playing nice that was really fun um josh redmond uh who was joshua redmond playing with josh redmond was playing with uh leonel lueke on Whoa. guitar yeah okay. uh, this was a quartet thrown together just for the festival so leonel lueke was playing guitar larnell lewis who also plays with like Puppy, was playing, lewis, drum, yeah. uh, playing drums in that quartet and michael lee was playing bass cool that was a phenomenal set. It was really, really fun. And it what was were they funny. playing? Uh, playing a, I, so, yeah, I listened to, I forget, uh, an interview, I think. I don't remember where it came from. It was an interview later on asking, um, uh, talking to some of these players, like talking about who was playing what. And I guess uh, before this whole uh, show had been set up, Michael League sent an email to each one of them saying, okay, each one of you is responsible for bringing two or three tunes or something like that. And that was <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, man. So they played some uh, some of Josh Redman's compositions and I'm, I'm sure some of the other guys too. That's awesome. It was really fun. Wow. And uh, a bunch of people, a bunch of artists that were also playing the festival were just standing next to the stage because of the jazz monsters right there, right? Oh, yeah. We're just watching and being total fanboys and That's cool. fangirls. It was, it was really fun. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've heard that festival is amazing. Yes, it you, was really amazing. Yeah. And the other thing that was really cool, so two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that uh, the musicians or the artists that are participants <clears> at the <throat> festival are, are not just going and playing and then hiding in the green room afterwards. They walk around and in the festival grounds and there's nice just ample opportunity to meet people and say hi to them and talk to them about their music and, and whatever. So it's, it's really cool. And uh, the other thing that uh, was at the festival was that they had workshops run by some of these musicians. So Victor Wun and Michael Lee did a bass workshop and they talked a little about, about bass and about mixing music and politics and oh. all sorts of things that were really interesting. Hmm. Uh, Bela Fleck, talked uh did a workshop with Leonel Loeke about how they um find their own voice in their music I guess and Interesting. that was really cool too wow you also mentioned that uh maybe this is a, a left turn but some um 
like Spotify execs and stuff were there. Right. The label label yeah. execs. Yeah, uh, there were. They did a <clears throat> workshop on uh, music licensing and how to <clears throat> music business <clears throat> essentially. So Michael League. Uh, from the bass player from Starkey Puppy yeah. and uh, an executive from CSEC, which is a uh-huh. music publishing mm-hmm. company, and a third p- uh, music executive that I don't remember what company is aff- affiliated with, probably ASCAP or something like that. Gotcha. And the three of them were on a panel talking about how musicians make, or rather don't make, a lot of money and um, what the industry is doing to change things about that. Um, I, the prognosis wasn't great uh musicians <laughs> it was just well understood that musicians just don't make money off of records and yeah. that uh we as an industry need to find a different way to continue uh making a living making music um, yep. without selling records however mm-hmm. that might be mm-hmm. and there wasn't the best out there wasn't really a great solution coming out of the workshop uh but there were things small some small things that uh, musicians can do uh, Mike League said that he would post on Instagram or Facebook or something like that a uh, a list of things that would be good for musicians to do in cool. order to make their financial situations better so yeah that was a, a great workshop too awesome that sounds like a great time yeah it was a wonderful time I am jealous <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can go next year yeah that's on my list as well cool well I think that's probably about all we have time for today yeah uh, sounds like thanks it. for listening everybody and we will see you again next month Alrighty.